Good morning, church. This is one of the more lengthy videos, but I think it gets a point across. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Well, my name is Paul Bowden. Um, I'm on the guest services team, and is this a little bit loud? I can, I can hear an echo. Okay. As uh, long as it's good out there, I'll deal with it. Um, I'm on the guest services team, the speaking team, and um, I'm here to wrap up a message that we started last week. And I just want to thank pastors Mike and Rhonda. Thank you for asking me to share and wrap up uh, and uh, kind of see this through. I really appreciate that. Um, with everything that's going on in 2020, uh, I, I wanted to be relevant again, and I wanted to be able to speak to um, what's going on out there. And so I hope to dive in a little bit deeper than what we did last week and then just be able to wrap it up. So uh, let's do that real quick, and we'll pray, and then we'll get started. So, Father, we do, we thank you for this time that we get to spend together, Lord. Uh, we used to take it for granted, I think, honestly, and, um, Father, we don't do that right now. Um, there are millions of people around the world and in history that, uh, that fought, that uh, had um, turmoil, that, uh, you know, were thrown in jail and killed because of meeting. And, uh, Lord, it's, it's a little bit different for us today. We still have freedom, and we want to preserve that, and we just thank you, Lord, that we are able to meet here today, and we dedicate this time to you and ask that you would speak to us through your word as we open our hearts and our minds to it, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, and uh, is the Facebook audience joining us? All right, let's welcome everyone on Facebook. Thank you for joining us. Again, we have a full house, and we're glad you're with us. Uh, I wrapped up preparing for this last night, and at about 11.30 or 11.20 or so, I got a, a Newsmax notification. I'm going to pull something up here real quick. It's not in my notes, but we'll just wing it. Um, and the headline is, California pastor temporarily turns church into strip clubs so it can open for services during COVID. I thought it was a joke. I did, but, but no, this is uh, Rob McCoy of God Speak Calvary Chapel, and uh, this guy's for real. I mean, he's the real deal. Uh, and so I was intrigued, and I read, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but uh, multiple religious congregations have sued the state of California over its COVID-19 restrictions. And guess who else sued California for their COVID-19 restrictions? There's a number of strip clubs that have done the same. So our churches and strip clubs have both sued the state of California. Which one do you think won? Not the churches, right. So the state couldn't stop the clubs, one judge said, from being allowed to provide adult entertainment. <clears throat> A week later, uh, they indicted, or whatever the legal term is, John MacArthur uh, for his church meeting in person. Um, so yeah, Godspeed Calvary pa Chapel pastor Rob McCoy figured that if you can't beat them, join them. So, so he decided to turn his church into a strip club for uh, just the purpose of staying open. And uh, Mike Huckabee actually made a suggestion. He said, why don't you just have the pastors take off their tie at some point during the service? And so that's what they did. And they did that, and uh, the congregants apparently held up $1 bills so that they could qualify. <laughs> So that's, it's sad that's that that's where we're at, but, and they go on and on. I won't, I won't keep going anymore, but really it's sad. I mean, 
that's where we're at. So we have to fight for our freedoms. Um, and Patrick Henry, I'll start off with one of his quotes. After two main British armies were captured by the Continental Army in 1781, Patrick Henry said, I think I have a slide. Yes, he said, with not very good grammar, three millions of people armed with the holy cause of liberty and such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send us. And I wish he would have talked about God here in this quote because that's really where our, our strength and our victory comes from is him. But, um, you know, look at what he saw. He said, um, he said that there is a holy cause of liberty. And do we see a holy cause of liberty today? Are we even aware that there's a, a fight going on around us? I think we are, um, but the question is, I think, is it our place to stand in it and fight in that, uh, in that fight? So I got some feedback from a brother in Christ uh, over throughout the week, actually, and one of, the, one of his criticisms of our church, and I was shocked that there was a criticism of us, our church, but he said that, yeah, church for the harvest is a little political, and I, I don't know, Pastor Mike, if it's because of what you've been preaching over the last few weeks or if he listened to my message last week. I don't know. But, but that's okay. I mean, they can, he can sit on the sidelines. He can sit in the bleachers. He can watch. He can join the fight at any time, right? We'll welcome help. But we, this church, the churches in this area are going to fight. We're going to move ahead. And um, we're not going to let culture take over. Um, and speaking of strip clubs, uh, that's, that's a weird segue. Did you know, yeah, did you know that there was a strip club that tried to get into the Alexandria area a few years ago? And it's not in the Alexandria area. Do you want to know why? It's because your pastors, Mike and Rhonda, stood up and said, no, that's not coming in here. We're not allowing the culture to influence us negatively. Yeah. So how would you like a strip club here somewhere or across the street from your work or something? Um, I mean, that would be crazy. So thank you, Pastors Mike and Rhonda, for saying no. I mean, for standing up, for leading during this time even, for staying open. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I'll just review what we talked about last week very briefly as I wet my whistle. Um, we talked about President Trump and all the fake news, the Wuhan China virus, and everybody gaining 20 pounds. I called it the COVID-20. <laughs> People would ask, hey, do you know of anybody that has COVID-19? And I would say, no, but I got COVID-20. How do I get rid of that? I need a vaccine for that. Uh, so we had mask mandates, the riots. You know, Portland was on fire for 104 nights. Um, and it was interesting how numb we can become to, to some of that. You know, even if it's um, injustice, sometimes we can become numb to it, and I don't want us to do that. Uh, we talked about the new Supreme Court Justice, Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, who replaced RBG. I just like saying that. And, you know, the social media heads were brought to uh, the U.S. Senate because they were censoring conservative points of view, another example of injustice that we just kind of become numb to. Uh, the mainstream media is in the bag for one political party. They spew double standards, another injustice. Um, 
And I tell people, look for the projections. You know what a projection is? It's when they say that another person is doing exactly what they're doing. And unfortunately, uh, you know, in the court of public opinion, that projection becomes fact, and then their enemy gets to live with that projection forever. But, uh, and then of course the election, we talked about that, uh, and that's, that's kind of politics, but it's not politics in the sense of we can't touch it. It's, it's the, the fact that we need to be involved in culture and, and the church needs to be involved in everything, I believe. We need to have influence on everything because we need to lead. So I asked, what should the position of the church be in today's culture? Uh, and let's talk about that a little bit. We talked about the challenges. Uh, we talked about isolation, how that's what the enemy wants to do is isolate us so that he can attack, so that he can roar like a lion seeking whom he may devour, so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. And just a reminder, he does not fight fair. And he, and he fights, he plays for keeps. It's forever. So we need to stay together. That's why we need the unity of the church and to meet. Uh, we talked about faith fundamentals. We'll go through these not in order, here we go, but very quickly. <clears throat> uh, we need to learn God's will and we need to repent. And I just want to encourage us, I believe that the repentance of the remnant is enough to move the hand of God. Yeah. We don't need to be so concerned that there's, there are people out there that aren't repenting and that they're gonna bring us down. No, I think if we come before God and re truly repent, I think his hand will move for the remnant. And there's plenty, of, uh, there's plenty of examples of that. Uh, we talked about praying in tongues. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit knows the Father's perfect will, and he's, he prays that through us according to Romans 8, 26. And fasting. <clears throat> uh, we ended with Esther and the challenge that she had to save the Jewish people. And that's in, uh, I quoted Esther 4, 13 and 14. The next two verses um, is where, well, no, in those verses, Malachi encourages her to go before the king and save the Jewish people, right? And he said, it's possible that you were born for just such a time as this. And so she sent a message back to Mordecai and said, do this for me. You fast for three days and three nights. Eat no food, no water. My maids and I will do the same. And I will go before the king. And she said, if I die, I die. I love that. So she called for a fast, and her attitude was, I'm gonna do the right thing, and if I die, I die. Um, another thing is get counsel, read the word, believe. And I think if, if it's God's promise, we can pretty much take that as his will, right? If we promise something to someone, we're showing them what our will is for them or, or that situation. Speak, I wish I had more time for this one, but speak what God's will is. Jesus taught that in Mark eleven twenty three. He said, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will, um, will be done, he will have whatever he says. Uh, receive and act and fight. There will be opposition. But the biggest thing here for us, I believe, is do not concede, Right? 
Let's not concede, even in the face of opposition, if it's tough, if we don't know where our answer is coming from, if we don't see in the natural how, how God is gonna come through, still do not concede when he's given us his truth and his will. Stop conceding. Don't insult the Lord of hosts by conceding his will. I think that is so key. We could take Hillary's, uh, she's been called Hill Dog. We could take Hill Dog's advice for Joey Basement when she said he should never concede, right? <laughs> we, sh we should never concede to tyranny, demonic forces, or forces contrary to freedom. Never concede. Winston Churchill said never give up. We should say never concede. We will not go backwards. So we should contend for God's will. Why does 2020 look like it does? We talked about a couple, a couple verses here. 1 Timothy 3.1, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will come extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. 1 Timothy 1.4, I'm sorry, 4.1, says that many will depart from the true faith one after another. Don't be surprised. Romans 1.21 Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. The next verse says that professing to be wise, they became fools. Did you know in Romans 1, it says three times that God gave them over. He gave them over to uncleanness, lust in their hearts, vile passions, and a debased mind. We need to stay together. We need to stay together, connected, protected uh, with the flock and by the shepherd. Also, why does 2020 look like it does? 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. Um, among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. We need to be lovers of the truth. There's no doubt about it. And the truth... Uh, we need, to have, we need to be lovers of the truth in society, too, in culture. And if there is something in this election, we talked last week, that, uh, that it comes out that it, it is proven or can be proven um, that the election process was taken over, then we need to get that fixed, right? If half or more people don't trust the election process, if, or if the process is untrustworthy, it, it will be the end of our republic. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and uh, of spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So we need to remember that. We need to remember where the battle is, and the church needs to pray that the absolute truth is revealed, right? And that any deception is revealed. So we talked about church affecting culture. This is a little bit longer than I had hoped, but... <clears throat> The main thing there is the government that I want to talk about. We need to be involved in every level of government so that we can reinstill that which our country was founded on, right? And here's a question too. Who's accountable to whom? Is the government accountable to us or are we accountable to them? Who votes who into office? They're accountable to us. So it's okay for us to hold them accountable uh, with whichever way that, that uh, you see fit. I mean, calls, letters, you name it. Voting, of course. Um, and media, arts and entertainment, and business. So we need to be in prayer. 
again, we need to be in prayer that the absolute truth comes out and any deception is, um, uh, comes to light. So <clears throat> I just can't stress enough how important it is for the free and fair elections. But if we don't know history, we're doomed to repeat it, right? And I just want to comfort us that King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. So there must have been another election or kingship that, was tried, that they tried to take over, right? One of my sons-in-law actually pointed this out to me. In 1 Kings, Adonijah was King David's son and, and Solomon's half-brother. And he tried to steal the election or, or the kingship, the kingdom, and he even sacrificed sheep, oxen, um, everything. Had a, a big celebration and pronounced himself king. And Nathan the prophet told Bathsheba, who is Solomon's mother, about this. And she explained it to King David. And in verse 20, she said to him, and I'm wondering if we're thinking the same of God. She said to King David, who was old, uh, she said, and as for you, my Lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my Lord after him. Aren't we kind of thinking that now, Lord, where are you? You have to speak into this. Who's, who's in charge, right? What's going to happen? All the eyes are on him. <clears throat> but I believe that God is, going to, God is going to show up. He's not surprised, right? He's not thinking, oh my goodness, what just happened? He knows he's not going to allow this. He's not going to allow an attack on his will like this. And I, I believe he's going to put his foot down. And I, I believe we're going to hear a mighty stomp of God's foot. Um, and we just need to agree with his will, whatever that is. It's not about a person. It's not about overturning an election. It's about God's will. What's God's will in this situation? So if you believe that, let me know. Shout amen. Amen. All right. So here's kind of my answer to the too political comment. And I'm just going to make it very clear. So if there's any question as to where I stand, and then you can, you can make your own decision. But, and I know we're a 501c3 or a 503cb or 1034 XYZ or whatever it is. But how are we doing on those rules? Because I know, I mean, are we all right? Do I need to temper it a little and let it fly? Okay. I got one right. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> let's put that up. We are the ecclesia. All right. We are the ecclesia. The ecclesia is a Greek and Latin term representing the Christian church and calling the Christian church or the people the called out ones. In its earliest uses, it described politi a political assembly of citizens. And in Matthew 18, boy, Matthew 16, 18, this is the first time the word church was used in the Bible. And it's where Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? You remember what Peter said? You are the Christ. And God, or Jesus said, that's right. Uh, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but your Father in heaven. And he said, and this is the Passion Translation, which provides a little more description. He said, I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, or the body of believers, my legislative assembly, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So, 
He went on to say and talk about his authority in verse 19. He said, I will give you the keys, the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid or bind on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. And then in Matthew 28, 18 and 19 is the great commission. He said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go therefore. So he was giving us his authority to go and execute his will, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is an authority of the called out ones. That's us, the ecclesia, to impact culture and not bow to the enemy, the gates of hell, or the power of death. So I have the Patriot Bible at home, and we just watched a, a patriotic video. And I like to do that. I like to see where our founders' heads were and our leaders and uh, how our, our nation was founded on biblical principles. Um, and in that Bible, in Second Chronicles, actually, in an insert, it explains that the Declaration of Independence was written as a proclamation to the world of their reasons for separating with England. The founders saw all the legal offenses and everything that was going on as not only offenses legally, but as a way to get their religious freedoms, and they felt like they needed to protect themselves. So I'm just, you know, I asked this before, and I'll ask again, is there, is there an offense going on to take our religious freedoms? The answer is yes. So <clears throat> thus, and I'll, I'm quoting from it now, it says that the churches that became the primary source it was the churches that became the primary source that stirred the fires of liberty, telling the colonists that the English government was usurping their God-given rights and the king and parliament were in violation of the laws of God. Amen. And many ministers served in all kinds of different levels of the Revolutionary War. In 1775, the Lutheran pastor, John Peter Gabriel Mullenberg, preached a sermon on Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And when he concluded the message, he declared, in the <clears throat> language of the Holy Writ, there is a time for all things. There is a time to preach and a time to fight. And now, he said, is the time to fight. Then he threw off his clerical robes to reveal a revolutionary officer uniform and that afternoon, he led 300 soldiers and marched off to join General Washington's troops. So that's, <clears throat> that's us, the ecclesia. We are the called out ones, the political assembly of citizens. So please, uh, you know, don't, don't tell me that we're too political because we want, we want God's will, right? And if that involves speaking up in the culture and society and the political realms, we'll do it. So... Yeah, and we didn't seek this fight, I don't think. I think. I think there are people that declared war on God. And God is looking for people to stand up with him and to fight this fight. So we're faced with a battle. Um, and I, I believe that if we looked at all of the, all of the things that we we're kind of wishy-washy or bending on now, even between 2000 and now, in the last 20 years, if you look at President Obama when he, was, um, when he was running for office, he couldn't say that he supported same-sex marriage. He had to lie about it and say he didn't because he knew that if he admitted it, that he wouldn't get enough votes to be elected. So that's just one example. 
And now all of that is just in your face. So it's an example of how that spirit is really growing in strength. And they'll even say, you know, if you don't support that, then you're un-American. Um, and, 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 you know, they, whoever has that view, they can say, and, and we, love, we love these people, we love everybody, we're more like Jesus than you are because we love everyone. Well, you know, love doesn't always mean accepting what people do. It means taking the truth in love to them and explaining what is something better, God's will. So <clears throat> I was going to talk about Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20. I wanted to talk about that last week too. It just didn't make it. But uh, one of the things that he did was when he was faced with a challenge like we are now, he, he called everyone together. He admitted that we're not strong enough to defeat these people. And he also declared a fast. Um, he prayed. He brought everyone together for praise and worship. And so I think that's something that we can follow. So what gives, or what, is, what does the Holy Spirit bring to help us today and why? And I want to talk about prophecy here just a little bit. Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And you could say, Paul, yeah, but that's in the Old Testament. We have the Holy Spirit inside us now, in our heart. He lives here. He dwells here. And I would say, yes, absolutely. Um, he can talk to us. If you were to say, Paul, that's in the Old Testament. We don't have an office of the prophet anymore. I would simply say, well, let's see what Paul, the Apostle Paul, says about it. So what gifts does he bring? Ephesians 4.11 says that, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now these gifts are for the functioning body so that we can function together and, and um, get, our, get our job done and accomplish God's will. We all can't be pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets, apostles, but we can give our gifts to support them. The why is Ephesians 4.12, the next verse, is, says it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. Well, how long do we need this? Did it, did it already pass? Do we need it every day? The next verse, for, uh, thir verse 13, till we all come to the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So are we all in unity? Do we all have knowledge of everything that Jesus did for us and provided to us? And are we all mature? I think the answer is probably no. Um, and this is what the purpose is for prophecy. They are to exhort, encourage, warn, prepare, and comfort. And sometimes when God gives us a word of prophecy, we can pretty much buckle up and know that there's going to be a fight, there's going to be contention, there's going to be something that he is preparing us for and something that we need to agree with him about. So if he tells us this is what's going to happen, we need to get ready for it. We need to, to prepare. We need to fight. <clears throat> Sometimes we get impatient, but we just have to keep moving, moving forward. Pastor Mike prophesies to us or over us about every week, and I really like that. And lately it's been that the gates of hell will not prevail against us when we move forward. Um, so I love that. Um, he's also prophesied of Sri Lanka, 
he has said the minority will become the majority. Because in Sri Lanka, there's very few Christians, and, and a few years ago it was just 1%. Now is it, I'm sure it's more, but still single digits probably. So what they do, the Sri Lankan Christians, is they take that and they fight with it. They serve people, including their mayor, city council, police departments, and they bombard the gates of heaven, the gates of hell, with with that word, and they, they take it to them, and uh, they're growing. So today we need to fight, pray, and celebrate, and where there's a word of prophecy, we need to get ready for exactly that. Here's the other thing that Paul says about prophecy in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. He said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you would... I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may also receive edification. So he says, pursue spiritual gifts. Go after them. Uh, And he says, desire earnestly. Earnestly desire means be jealous for, be zealous to get. Earnestly desire to have um, those spiritual gifts. Have a zeal for And so we're to do this to the extent that we're able. And can it be developed? Yes. I I can hear God's word or God's voice in five years, hopefully, better than I do now. And it's not that I'll operate in the office of a prophet, but we should be getting better. And each one of us should be able to hear God and be able to exhort, to encourage um, warn possibly someone right next to us that might be going through uh, a time of need. So every one of us can do that, and, and Paul admonishes us to do that, be actively pursuing that. We're told by Jesus, uh, by John, Jesus' close, closest earthly disciple, and uh, the, the, he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, He said in Revelation 12 to hold the testimony of Jesus. And then Revelation 19, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Peter also talks about it in 2 Peter 3.1. So he says uh, that we are not to forget the prophecy spoken. And in 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul admonishes Timothy that by those prophecies that were spoken over you specifically, Take those and fight the good warfare with them. So how do we hear the prophets of today? When we hear a prophetic word from God, how do we hear it? Um, I think this is something new to the church. Uh, it's, it's, it's somewhat new to me. And first off, what I don't do when, when I want to hear what the prophets are saying is I don't go to social media and dial in someone who had a dream that night and they just need to tell the whole world about what they saw, right? What we want to do is look to those, look to those that are confirmed to have had um, a successful word or a confirmation. Uh, So I, I look at it through scripture, I try to filter it through scripture and in the presence of two or three witnesses, look to those who are respected in, in, uh, in the kingdom. 
Look to your counselors. Look to um, your pastor for sure, and others that you trust. Uh, when when we're vetting someone or vetting a message from from a prophet, so we look to those who are approved. And I have a personal experience with a, a prophecy that was spoken over me, um, similar to what Paul was explaining to Timothy. And <clears throat> I have it right here. Uh, Kevin Leal came to church, and I think this was in about 2014 or so, and spoke some really nice words over me and, and my wife, Lisa, and I thought, well, that was nice. And then later that night, somebody gave me a recording of it, and I thought, oh, what a, what a nice souvenir. I'll just keep this. And later that week, God said, you need to listen to that. And so I did. And then he said, you need to write this down. This is important. And so I did. And he said, you need to speak this over yourself. And that was a different concept for me. So what I did was I, um, I bullet pointed it. I changed it to the first person. That's what it looks like. It's all coffee stained and crumpled. And then in challenges or in times of doubt, I can take this out and I can read it. And that's what God says over me. That's what God thinks about me. That's God's plan for me. And that's what, where I want to walk into. And yes, it is a challenge and it's hard, but God is there and provides the strength to do it. So I just recommend any, any word like that that you would get, word of encouragement, word of um, anything, just write that down, look at it, pray it over yourself. And that's how we take it into battle. So <clears throat> need to move a little bit faster here. So here's what the prophets are saying. I think this is the main point. And then I'll wrap it up. We're all experiencing a modern day lesson in the prophetic. <clears throat> Many prophetic words have been spoken about our president. And um, these, these, these words have been spoken by people that have been confirmed, the real deal, prophets that hear from God. And sometimes that gets a little bit uncomfortable. But here are a few things that were prophesied. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. One thing is that God would raise up a leader out of the 9-11 rubble within New York to bring his country back to God and back to prayer. Another thing is not a religious man, but another David, a man after God's heart. He would turn this nation back to God. He wouldn't be a praying man coming into office, but he would be a praying man after that. Uh, the impeachment trials were prophesied about, and here's one that's really cool. The Supreme Court nominations of righteous individuals, that there would be three. At first they said two, then corrected it to three in the same sentence. And one, or he said the third is a, a woman, a compassionate woman, her compassion for the right for the unborn to live. Isn't that awesome? God has a plan for this. We need, we need to align ourselves with his plan. And that prophecy was given on October 26th, 2016, way before, four years before that third one was confirmed. So God's trying to give us hope, and that's, that's part of a prophecy. He's not, he's not surprised about anything. He's going to perform it, and a lot of times we don't know how. We don't know how this one is going to end, right, the, the current situation that we're in. We don't know how God's going to come through, but, you know, there's scripture full of uh, examples where people didn't know how God was going to come through. And, you know, a lot of times what he does is he, he tells us, lift up your rod, lift up your hand, 
speak and divide the sea, right? Just like he did with the Israelites when they were being attacked from the left and they had to go through the Red Sea, right? Amen. So many of these prophets have spoken out on Christian programming over the past year because I believe the battle has been brewing and they needed to, they needed to warn the church and we're in that battle now. So here's one thing that's a little uncomfortable to me because this is a, this is a fight of faith, right? The, the thing that has not been uh, fulfilled yet, the prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled is the fact, the prophecy that uh, our president will have a second term and they're not talking about 2024. So, so that's, that remains to be seen. And that's one of, the, one of the things where we go, how is God gonna do that? We have no idea. But remember, this is not about a person. It's about God's will. And it's about really the maturation process of the church. It's about us maturing through a process of hearing God's voice, standing on what he said, and fighting our way through it. That's the maturity process that, that this is going for. And God chose a fighter for number 45 for a reason. And he's not going to give up. We can't give up. We're, we're not going to concede. Um, and this is a battle for the heart and soul of our nation. That's right. So, I mean, there are a couple, we're going to wrap it up here, but there are a couple reasons, I believe, that God is allowing this time right now to be maybe extended because we want it over, right? We want to know. Let's just tell us what it is so we can move on. No, <clears throat> He, right now, he is exposing the spirit of deception. Remember that God hates a lying tongue, doesn't he? He doesn't like a lying tongue. Um, when I was growing up, I remember the state media in the Soviet Union, and I thought, how dishonest is that? It's just the state telling their people what they want them to think. There's no truth in it, typically. Um, and do you remember this guy? Baghdad Bob? <laughs> Nobody? Do you remember? Okay, this is from the, de the, from the Gulf War, so some of you weren't even born then. I gotta remember that. But what Baghdad Bob would do is he was a state-run media guy, and he would deny everything that was happening and just spew lies to his people. Here are a couple of them. One is that he would tell them, there are no American infidels in Baghdad, never when we had thousands of troops and invaded halfway through Iraq. We have them surrounded in their tanks. This one was funny because on the video where he said that, you could see American tanks running behind him. So <clears throat> this is state media. We welcome them with bullets and shoes. He said, Washington has thrown their, their soldiers on the fire. How about this one? This has been a mostly peaceful protest. Did you hear that this fall? This has been a mostly peaceful protest, and there's a building burning behind the guy on camera. A mostly peaceful protest. It's the old, believe what I tell you, not what, you, not what your eyes see and your ears hear. I know better than you. Believe what I'm telling you. So these are all examples. Um, the spirit of lawlessness and deception is promoting lies and deception in our culture. Here's number two. Um, God hates, as I said, a lying tongue. He also hates the shedding of innocent blood, right? 
So he's fixing this right now. We're going to stop the shedding of innocent blood. And I really believe this is a sticking point for the church as a whole. If we can't get this one issue right, if we can't stand on the word and truth here, I don't know that we have really much that we can, that we can agree on. So we need to get this right. He's also exposing the spirit of Jezebel. Um, he's, he's blessing us, I think, because uh, President Trump has been described by Benjamin Netanyahu as the best friend of Israel. He's recognized Jerusalem as the capital, and he's farther down the road on any peace deal, I think, than in a long time. And I just, I just want to encourage us that this is a fight. It's a fight not against flesh and blood. We've talked about that. It's a fight that we fight on our knees, right? Because the battle is in the heavenly places where... Um, you know, where the angels are fighting and where the dark demonic forces are, they are influencing people on earth. It's not the people that we don't like. We battle against uh, in, in the heavenlies. So I just want to encourage you, it's okay to be angry. <laughs> it's okay to say, we will not let this happen. It's okay to say things like, you know, who do you think you are? How dare you? How dare you, the party of... Um, you know, that has taken out God from our schools or allowed um, babies to be killed. You have no regard for children in the womb. How dare you think that we are going to allow you to mock our God and his plan, right? It's okay to be a little angry and stirred up. So this isn't about whether the prophets missed it or not or overturning an election. Again, it's about fighting for our republic and fighting for God's will. So if you'd stand with me, we'll just close. If we could have the worship team come up. <clears throat> and when I was growing up, I knew some things about the Spirit, and I didn't know a lot about it, though. I knew that God loved me and offered a wonderful plan for my life. I knew I was a sinner and separated from God, and I knew that he died on the cross for my sins. But I didn't know that Jesus offers us a free gift of salvation, and it needs to be received just like any other gift, just like a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. So if that's something that you want to do right now, we'll pray with you. You, you wouldn't be joining our church. You, you would be joining the family of God, though, if it's your desire to know him better and to, uh, to be saved by him. So we only need to pray this prayer once, but we'll pray it with you. Let's bow our heads. And just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Father, I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive your free gift of salvation. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.